It's only a kick. A jump. A block. It's only a serve. It's only a tackle. A run. It's only for the fans. After all, it's only pressure. You got this. Adidas. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. Welcome, welcome, welcome everybody to the Blood and Mud podcast. The podcast that is one down and yet two up this week, which is very, very, very exciting for me. Josh is not here because he's hobnobbing and hyperloying in that London. So I'm joined this week by the Scottish Rugby Pod's very own moulder of young men that is Craig Manson. Hello, Craig. Hello, how are you doing? Very good, and thank you very much. Moulder of young men doesn't sound very good, Lee. Thank you very much. No, well, it's because of your long your long career in youth coaching, Craig. I want to, I want to <laughs> emphasise that. But you are, you know, you're the kind of person who keeps the world turning in this rugby world of ours by giving up your time and your efforts to uh, to spend a decade looking after a group of lads and bringing them through and teaching them to tackle so they don't hurt themselves is the ultimate main thing, isn't it? So, welcome. yeah, well, thank you very much. That's very nice of you to see. And also joining us is the best thing to happen to analysis since I learned how to do a pivot table in 2003, uh, Sam Lana. Hello. Hello, Lee. Thank you very much for having me. Yes, absolutely. And uh, we, you've been on before, Craig hasn't. It's Craig's debut, but you have been on before, haven't you, Sam? So you know what it's like around here. Yeah, many, many, many years ago, um, hope, hoping to, uh, to mould Craig. Um, as he does with the young men of Scotland. <laughs> it's getting worse, the young men of Scotland. <laughs> Harley Worthy said it's a delightful hair-to-beard ratio this evening. Yes, absolutely. Cheap shots from the start, Harley. That's what I like, yeah. Welcome aboard. I'll speak to you later, Harley. <laughs> <laughs> so, welcome you two, and welcome everybody here. I can see a few of you on the live stream. We are a day late this week because I had to make some plans because Josh is not here, as I've just said. But, uh, yeah, so what? It, so we all, we like to do a bit of riffing on what people have been up to at the weekend. So, uh, Craig, what's your weekend been like? Oh, where do I start? Um, Friday night um, in Leicester, of all places. Oh, yes, you went, you went and sort of witnessed that, did you? That's a long, yeah, that's a long trip um, home, isn't it? Yeah, it was a long trip down, a long trip up. But um, yeah, went down to Welford Road. Always wanted to go to Welford Road, so um, and was uh, pleasantly surprised and um, uh, really enjoyed our trip down there. And then um, Sunday was up at the Caledonian um, Youth Cup 
of an event up at um, in Aberdeen where all the Caledonian and North region come together for their cup finals. Um, and uh, I was up with my, uh, well, my, listen to me, I was up with the lads um, from the Howe Fife under-18s um, in their cup final. So, uh, yeah, it's, 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 it's been rugby, rugby, rugby all weekend. And, uh, how, how did they go? Uh, they won it. They won, their, uh, wow. they won the Caledonian Bowl. So, uh, yeah. Really chuffed. It was a great finish to uh, um, uh, great finish to my uh, my coaching career and also um, to my son's uh, under, uh, youth rugby journey. He's now going to be an adult. Of all things, scary. <laughs> so tell me, Craig. So you 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 stopping coaching completely? Was this the kind of end point for you? Was it around? Well, uh, with our with our club, what we do is we start um, me being an ex Howe Fife rugby playing person um an old prop as everyone has probably noticed with the size of me um and uh, what they do is uh, what tends to happen is it's uh, when you bring your child up to say right well my child is um, seven years old and wants to play rugby you're handed a bag of balls and a bag of cones and said well you can be the coach um it's like oh, right, okay um and i've taken uh, the we then go through all all the all the years so we don't actually just sit in one year and and, and have a, a throughput of children we we follow our kids all the way through. So I've gone from uh, seven years old um, all the way through now to the under-18s. Um, and uh, we, uh, we've followed those those young men coming through and uh, they've, they've, they've really uh, blossomed. Funnily enough, we looked at a picture of them all as P3s and it's amazing that you look at these tiny little children and now the, 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 the absolute grand hulks of, um, of of boys that they've turned into and you think my goodness they've, they've really come on a journey so yeah that that'd been that I, I also coached them um, for for about eight years with the Howe Fife Harlequins who were the who are the women's team for um, the Howe Fife as well so um, and then it got to a point where it was just too much and uh, mm. came away from the Harlequins and then I stayed on for the last two years with Logan um, so that he could, uh, so that I spent time with him and then it was always the reason to say right well I'm, I'm going to be a rugby dad um, as it comes uh, to the end, um, he's going off to university. You know, I'm going to look forward to going and watching him play through there um, and be a rugby dad. But then again, if you know, if somebody turns around and says we really could do with a help doing some scrummage work or something like that, I'll, I'll, I'll never turn it down. I'll always help out if, if need be. You know. Well, you're a better man than me because I coached under seven team and I lasted about four months. I was like, "Fuck this! I'm not doing this again." <laughs> So, so there was a so so all you know. I'd say if I had a hat, if I had a hat on, I would lift it off right now and wave in your general direction, Craig. Because yeah, it's a it's a it's a particularly thankless task up until about under nines, I think, isn't it? And then, uh, uh, well, in my view, you might have a very different view, but yeah, it's a no. I, I think yes, I think you're right. I think it, it can be, um, and it can be difficult because you know. The, the rain and snow and the and and you're you're out there putting cones out in the mud and these kids are looking at you as if you're some sort of idiot, um, and then uh, and then all of a sudden they, they seem to click and uh, maybe around S one S two up in Scotland so that's about about the age of 12, 13, they kind of all, all of a sudden decide you've got kids that are there because mum and dad want them to play rugby and the other kids that have decided that they're going to be the next uh, the next Stuart Hogg. Um, so they um, they. You know, you get that chance, and you you work with them. So no, it's uh, just as you say. Yeah, once they get to about twelve, thirteen, it starts getting interesting because they start you start seeing little bits and pieces coming from them, and you think actually they could do this and they could do that. Um, but 
we try to be not to go too into depth. We try to give them at least two positions within the team so that they can develop themselves mm. a little bit more. Um, because I don't like to, you know, I was always the big fat kid, so I got the propping the propping game. Um, and and I don't want that for anybody in the team. I want them to to find a position that they're happy with. Um, however, the, this year we didn't have a very we didn't have a set front row, so we did have a few of the boys play in front row that really didn't want to play front row, but we had about 12 back rowers, you know, so uh, we thought, well, we're going to have to try and mix it up in the front, in the, in the scrum, you know, but no, it's great. Do you coach 12 really back rowers? Do you coach Cardiff Blues by any chance? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so, um, so Sam, have you won anything this weekend? Because I, I feel oh, like I've massively underachieved across my two days. No, off, I was, so. was going to say that's, I've, I've, you've made me follow incredibly wholesome story of, um, <laughs> Of volunteering and, and and wonderful parenting and, and and fantastic stuff, with my tale of watching incredibly dull uh, brave Scarlets game on Friday, whilst on the other screen having an incredibly dull Edinburgh Leicester game, um, and then um, and then Saturday, uh, I went and I ate my body weight in bow buns um, after the after the bike ride, and then on Sunday, my, so my other great love is is cycling. Uh, and on Sunday, it was one of the big races of the season, the, the Tour of Flanders, where everyone in Belgium stops for the Tour of Flanders. Um, and so what usually happens is I, I put it on with about six hours and 250 kilometers to go and think, well, I'll just watch this for five minutes, then I'll turn it off and I'll do something with my day. And then that it just expands and expands. And then I think, well, it's now too close to the end for me to turn it off. And then I realised I've watched six and a half hours, and whilst the professionals are probably consuming or, or, or expending seven thousand calories, that's kind of all just coming coming to me. I think as I uh, kind of eat my way through the, the through the seven or eight, uh, uh, six or seven hours of the race. So yeah, so I haven't won anything this weekend. You've uh, you must have read Paul Kimmage's book, Rough Ride, have you? Yeah, yeah. And and I always one thing, well, one just how disagreeable he is, which I kind of quite like about him, but he, the um. Is how he, he describes a great is how much he absolutely loathed riding in Belgium. Yeah. He said there's like some places we just thought, but every time he has it, he just absolutely despised it. Just like featureless and wind and misery. Basically, it was, was yeah. the whole thing as far as he was concerned. It, it, that seems to be so. I, I don't. I haven't ever been to Belgium that I can recall. I think I went as a kid, and uh, that pretty much sums up my parents' view of, of Belgium. But I'm 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 led to believe it. But led to believe it's changed and it's quite pleasant now. But um. Yeah, featureless. I, I went to gold. I went to Antwerp earlier this year, which is not that pleasant. But I went to Leuven, which is very pleasant, which is mm. um, where Stella, the Stella Brewery yeah. is. Yeah. yeah. But again, that's all pedestrianised, and again, that that window into a different world of cycling where there's just thousands of bikes parked up everywhere, and women in summer dresses just come out with shopping bags and jump on a bike and ride off with no helmet and none of that nonsense. They just yeah, they just go about the business. It's kind of Great. And I, went, and I was in Spain last week and I got the coach transfer from the airport. You know, it took about 45 minutes. And at one point, this coach just patiently waited behind a woman on a rental bike in the road for about 12 minutes until he could safely it's a pass. World. It's, it's I, unbelievable. I in, yeah. I was in Andorra for uh, a, a week or so in that very brief period in 2020 when you could actually go anywhere. And Andorra is partly because it's altitude, but probably more so because it's tax free is a massive hub for professional cyclists. And um and it's just like a theme park of you know cycling by people thinking, I know, I know you, that's 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 Alejandro Valverde, that's you know, whoever it might be. And um 
and you you can't i was driving out and i was thinking if i like I, i'm you know very careful down cyclists in the car but you do end up thinking if i make a mistake that's a couple of million euros worth of um <laughs> cyclists i've i've hit there and i'm not sure what the insurance would say about that and uh just it makes you think twice whereas i just drive about going fucking clicky shoot fuckers and that's all i do <laughs> i'll have to work out what that is in spanish for the uh, next time I go. <laughs> uh yeah so i well me i had my first i had my first mow of the season in the garden and i'm having a long-running battle with couched grass in my planting beds, because honestly, once again, I'm having one of those moments where my 20 year old self would happily have me murdered and dance <laughs> on my grave. Basically, that's my whole life now. Just having a flashing moment of, oh my God, this is what I've become. But I'm comfortable with it. I'm rolling with it. I don't care. I didn't win anything. I won a, a small victory against the couch grass, I guess, Craig, is the only thing I can claim in trying to kind of. Well- it's it, it's all I've, I've I've unfortunately in my age of you know I'm I'm fit fifty this month and I, I caught myself last night uh, Sunday night the uh, as for some reason it happened um, my son invited his team and all their hangers on to my back garden for um, a few a few um, what's it post match. Um, tipples in the back garden and I caught myself saying just make sure that you don't knock over any of my planting beds uh, my planting boxes and then I went oh no what am I doing just as you say what have I done with my, my life here um, yeah my, so, my little cousin's kid was around and I found myself doing that because he went outside with the football and said don't kick it towards the daffodils just yeah. go in that direction <laughs> <laughs> terrible awful Yes, it's who I am now. So welcome. Thank you uh, for, for joining us. If you want to get in touch with the podcast, you can get in touch with me. I'm still Lee and I'm still Lee at bloodandmud.com on the email or at bloodandmud on the Twitter. Craig, you're new around these parts. If people want to follow up on any emotional roller coaster stories of life, 10 years of the youth rugby team, how will they get, how do they get in touch with you? Uh, well, I'm on Twitter um, at Scrum Champion. Um... And uh, I'm also, uh, we uh, every third, usually Wednesday or Thursday night, we're on the Scottish Rugby Podcast, um, unofficial Scottish Rugby Podcast. Yes. Um, <laughs> just Very important to stress that, yes. <laughs> you got in there first. It's not your fault they were slow off the blocks with this whole podcast thing, is it? Exactly. The, SR, the SRU took three years after you started to figure out this was a thing. It's not our. It's not our fault that our view figures go up every time the Scottish, the, the official Scottish rugby podcast advertiser are talking to Finn Russell or the Stuart Hogg. You know, you get really disappointed. How they tune in, yeah. <laughs> uh, Sam, how do people get in touch with you? Uh, you can follow me on Twitter at Sam L Stangs Up, uh, and I'm uh, I'm pretty sure my DMs are open. Uh, so you know, I, I actually quite like having conversations with the small percentage of people on Twitter who uh, don't, don't get upset me. by everything <laughs> that you say. Yeah. 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 <laughs> <laughs> Even when it's just a fairly neutral analysis of something that's really useful and interesting. Somehow you you don't hate it. them enough. <laughs> <laughs> yes. So we are on, as we all know, we're on the Sports Social Network. We are on Apple or wherever else you find your podcast. But I suppose... The most important place in some ways where we are is that we are at patreon.com slash me free little girl. All you've got to do is slash me free little girl. You know you can do it if you try. 
All you've got to do is slash me free, free. Uh, uh, uh. Blood and mud, where you can come along and get um, extra things for two quid a month or 20 quid for the whole year. Or you can pay a five if you want. You get what you all know by now. Honestly, why aren't you all just putting your hand in your pocket, every single one of you? Because I could, I could have Bubbins money then. I could have fucking Bubbins <laughs> distant podcast money. But no, I have to keep working for a living, unfortunately. So thank you very much. Now, shall we begin as we always begin, gents? New new cast, but same beginning, which is we've got a player spotted, as usual. Thanks for those people who send those in. Michael DMs with this one. Hello, Lee, he says. One from a couple of weeks ago. I was in the local Aldi in the southern outskirts of Glasgow and spotted a man in well-worn Scotland gilet was in front of me in the queue. After a few seconds, I realised that it was Jeff Cross, ex-Scotland scary man front row. He was markedly, markedly less scary sans beard. He was buying wonky raspberries, bagels and fancy white chocolate. Isn't that Dr. Jeff? Isn't he a doctor, Jeff? Cross? I think he was. Yeah, I thought he was. Well, I mean, you know, he can still be a doctor and buy wonky raspberries. Yeah. That's up to him, isn't it? But it's a. His, well, his, he's, uh, he's certainly not a front rower if he's buying wonky, wonky raspberries. <laughs> and, uh, you know, at, at least the, the white chocolate kind of saved him a little bit. <laughs> his uh, Wikipedia contains four things which are career, beard, retirement, and references. <laughs> <laughs> He did grow that gigantic beard, didn't he? For a period quite a lot of time. On, yeah. Yeah. yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Probably raised ten thousand pounds for the wooden screen charity by shaving it all off. You're on his Wikipedia, Sam. How many is it? Well, Craig, how many caps do you think that Jeff Cross had for Scott? You might know this. You might want to be looking at it, but I'm not looking at it. And uh, and when it comes to statistics, um, I tend to. Um, that's why I follow Sam on uh, <laughs> uh, on Twitter for. Um, I'm always trying to get a feel as to whether it's more or less than you think is what I mean. Do you think he had like a I handful reckon, of caps or a reasonable number of caps? I thought Jeff Cross was about 25, 30, was he not? Sam, what's the answer? It matches his age, 40. Oh. There you go. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's a reasonable amount of caps, isn't it? Not bad at all. Six for Scotland A as well. Is that still a thing? Does anyone have A teams anymore? No, we've we've now gone to this um this well they've just announced the, the Edinburgh A and the Glasgow A that now are taking part in the Super Six. Uh in the sprint series that's just about to commence this weekend. So uh, that's I think that's how they're getting around that. But uh, yeah, there's a couple of Scotland A jerseys hanging on the wall in our club and uh, you know, you, you know, um that's when we didn't have proper rugby jerseys in the club, but we went for the Scotland A ones, but we uh, we've got the proper club the proper ones up now. It seems a bit uh, particularly cruel to do that the same week that the uh, Scarlets are dropping Clinically as uh, as they're the, as they're kind of backup sizing uh, and going from from A team to just just one team. There's always a there's always a kind of thing you can put on the end of everything when it comes to rugby that hap- things that happen quietly elsewhere is always if this happened in Wales. <laughs> This would be 47 <laughs> front pages, Twitter meltdown, firestorm on in a public meeting somewhere, which, you know, you just very casually, matter of fact, went, yeah, they're bringing these two teams in, and that's that. So does the same thing happen in Scotland, Craig? I'm not close enough to it. Does it generate? I know that, you know, there can be a bit of niggle, can't there? But 
well, Norway's quite like Wales, is it? But is it does the have the controversies around this stuff in the same way? Uh, no, not even cl- well. There's definitely between the the prem clubs, as in you know local rugby. There, there's a bit of needle. You get your you get your cl- your sort of your your clashes between local teams and stuff like that. And there's a bit of they said that and we did this and they did that and they're getting this and they're getting that. But it's not like it's it's. Wales seems to be times a hundred when it comes to that sort of thing. Um, uh, but then they've Wales have got a very rich history to protect, I'm sure. But uh, um, they do seem to be very, very angry in the Welsh rugby union <laughs> all the time. <laughs> Whereas it's just <laughs> Wales, we do seem to be very, very angry. That's a strap line <laughs> of, the, of the entire thing. Yeah, we do. We do sit up in Scotland. We, we like obviously if you if you listen to. Uh, uh, if you listen to John and I and uh, going on at each other about uh, Edinburgh and Glasgow, you think, well, they're quite angry about things, but it doesn't seem to be anywhere close to. But then we got rid of our regions quite quickly. We realised that having three clubs, three professional clubs, was going to break us in the first place. So we we, we made that quick choice of, well, we're going to uh, to Cami's for, forever, Cami um, Cami Black's forever upset that we got rid of the Border Reavers, mm. um, and uh, and so we went with Edinburgh and Glasgow. And uh, but then the, the weeds do constantly go on about how it's all rugby is all Edinburgh centric and uh, and how and, and all the money's there and all the good players are there and everything like that, but. Um, Currently, currently, um, that doesn't look like it at the moment with the results that are happening. So anyway, <laughs> which he must be delighted about, yeah. Oh, over the moon, yeah. yeah. <laughs> are you still playing, Sam? Um, I think I'm probably at, at calling it a retirement. Maybe I got, um, I got, uh, I played against an absolutely horrible bunch of um, just awful people. Uh, in in the league that we we kind of consistently have have faced year after year, and um, I was at the bottom. Of, I'd driven through. It was it was quite needly throughout the whole game. It was quite quite niggly, and then towards the end, um, drove through a ruck, and I had two separate kind of scrapes over the eye, yeah, a couple like... of punches, but you know just the kind of thing where you think bloody hell, that's that's not really on. And as I stood up to walk away, just got absolutely blindsided. With a you know a proper proper hit, and it was it was that kind of thing of of just thinking, I don't I don't know if I really enjoy this anymore. And also, I'm not sure how how much you know it's 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 there that you get that, but you can't think you can't really be protected because referees don't spot that kind of stuff. Um, so so I called it a quit. I called it quits for this season. Kept coaching, but called it quits. But I'll see how I feel next season. But to be honest, I'm I'm not hugely missing playing um aside from from bits here and there i think if i could just exclusively play about once every six weeks just in may and april yeah it'd be all right sort of thing but it's the, the honor of it. I, don't, I don't i don't particularly want to do that people always talk about don't they a crisis of people not being able to pull teams together and stuff ref where are they, where are they still getting refs from I, yeah, I don't know. To I, travel I, across Yorkshire leagues and whatever the Scotland footprint is in different leagues, it must be. It's unbelievable, yeah. really. I, I don't know. I mean, it's it's one of those things where I, I wonder whether it might help with the likes of kind of, you know, Nigel Owings and Wayne Barnes and and them creating a kind of a a proper career for it, where you could it's a potentially a way in if you can 
put up with the few seasons that you'd have to get you know shouted at by some some six year old guy who who only just realised you can't you know pluck the eyeball out of the nineteen uh, year old scrum half on the other team. Um, so I wonder whether people think that if you can just get through that, then there's kind of there's a potential career there. But I've considered it, but I mean. I just I've seen I've seen how I am to their face during games, <laughs> and I don't, I don't guess I know if I if I want to be uh want to put myself in that we, that filing line. We had a brilliant bloke who used to referee when I, I played rugby league at uni in the northeast league. Where I was at Teesside Uni, but we had a guy I think he was from Bradford. He was dead old, and he just he just he would literally just blow up with 12 minutes left because he had to get back to Bradford from Sunderland on a Wednesday <laughs> afternoon. He had a voice like that. And like you'd be lying when you'd be lying on something, get off him, get off him. Like when you're lying under the tackle. And he'd let you walk on as you're about to come because he's fucking like high station fucking zebra here. Ooh, I don't be staying here long. And then he just knew you had to sort of like you didn't want a tight game going towards the end of it because you think, well, I'm attacking on the line now. Boom, that's it. Uta's gone. It's 12 minutes left. Ooh, wife's got wife's got some beef on. I'll be going back. <laughs> <laughs> that was literally what he was like. But I think because, you know, when it must be even worse for student games. It's Wednesday afternoon, isn't it? It must be all retired people or... Yeah, who knows? That was, that was always the issue. So, sorry, Sam. No, go on, Craig. Uh, that was always the issue we always we found um, when I was coaching with the, the women's team, you know, because you, you, a lot of the, the teams wanted to play on Saturdays, but we just... The, the SRU couldn't find the referees for Saturdays, so that's why the the women's league in Scotland plays on a Sunday. Um, um, but because you know, we always wanted a Friday night lights game and stuff like that, and it was always very difficult to to organise because the the refs are all very well managed and um, and they they know they're coming in at, at certain times and and you know when they're coming and they, they know what what games they're, they're playing. Every so often you get the odd referee who turns up and goes, "Oh, I just had to drive down from bloody Aberdeen because the, because such and such <laughs> called off," and it's like, well, "Sorry, it's not my fault." <laughs> I, I think that happens a lot where there's some of the stu- stuff is so set in stone. Because I've been involved in like not necessarily running clubs, but coaching, being on committees and stuff for the last kind of five or six years, and so often if you propose something that's slightly different, like if you propose a Friday night lights game, if you propose like a a, a one pm kickoff because there's Six Nations is on or whatever, the the admin of the league look at you as if you've proposed you know playing football or you know <laughs> can we have a game of cricket instead? Like we don't really want to play with anymore. <laughs> As if it's it's completely beyond the realms of possibility that this could be arranged, and um, you do end up thinking you can have a look at these people and go, "Are you aware that rugby as a grassroots sport is dying on its arse? Like that no one really is is playing anymore, and that clubs are, are you know cancelling fixtures all the time? Like maybe maybe the way it's always been done doesn't really fit the modern the modern mould." Um, but it just seems it seems a kind of a, a, an idea that is you know beyond the 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 workings of the of the modern brain. So anyway, meanwhile, back in Aldi in Glasgow, Jeff Cross has just um, <laughs> Jeff Cross has just bought some fancy white chocolate bagels and wonky raspberries. That's the shittest Valentine's Day ever for his uh, significant other. It sounds like, but there you go. Um, hopefully, this is mundane enough to make the cut, says Michael, and it was. And thank you very much. It is, you know, perfect. It's suburban. It's shopping. It's really boring produce. It's everything. It's a kind of 
completely forgettable player from the past 15 years is exactly what we're, we're looking for, basically. Um, <laughs> so thank you very much for that, Michael. If anybody else wants to send a DM, you know what, sorry, send a player spotted in, you know what to do. You can do it on the DMs. My DMs are open, leeatbloodandmud.com, or you can come to patreon.com slash bloodandmud, sign up and use a Patreon messaging service if you want to do that and get a, you know, fast access to the to the top floor, if you like. Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda, you never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. Mother's Day is around the corner. Find the perfect gift for the mom in your life with a stunning piece of jewelry from Blue Nile. From timeless pearls to dazzling gemstones, Blue Nile has something she'll adore. Need it fast? Most items can ship overnight. Plus, enjoy guaranteed free shipping and returns. Don't miss our special Mother's Day deals. Save big on the season's most beautiful trends. For a limited time, get up to 50% off by going to BlueNile.com. That's BlueNile.com. So, thank you very much for all that. We will move on now to our usual news section. There's a bit of it about this week. So, I suppose the first thing to talk about is, uh, well, we we mentioned Wales before, didn't we? Uh, Joe Hawkins is off to Exeter from Ospreys as well as um, uh, not just him. But where does this leave? They've they've amended the cap rule now, haven't they? Yeah, 25, isn't it? Still leaves him a few short, doesn't it? Or is it because he's is he under a certain age so he's allowed to do it and still play? No, I don't think he would. He, he would Under the current rules, he wouldn't be able to play for Wales, I don't think. Um, but I do think it's going to be an interesting test case because uh, I, I'm not sure that rule is really going to work. Um, Given the current squeeze on on salaries in, in in Wales, so it might be the kind of the the situation that breaks the breaks the back of that as as a continuing rule. Because I think Gatlin said, I can't find exactly the quote, but he he mentioned that as it currently stands, he wouldn't be free to play. But that's an individual's decision, so it it leaves quite a lot of room, wiggle room for potentially adjusting it to allow him backing via mm. some some means. The question. Go on, go, go, go answer me this question because I, I, I still, um, I'm going to sound incredibly naive, um, but I've always wanted to ask this question. What Reece Samet then playing at Gloucester? Yeah, so I think the rule is that if you, so if you, um, if you were signed pre getting a Wales cap, then yeah, right, you can get a Wales cap where you are. But right. in theory, Zamet couldn't. Um, sign another contract with Gloucester and continue right. playing for Wales unless he had more than 25 caps. Um, oh, okay. So that was the issue with um, who was it with? Uh, someone recently, I can't, I forget who it was now, maybe Cuthbert, where he'd have to move back to Wales to continue uh, continue playing. And maybe Josh Adams as well when he was with Worcester that once mm. he started playing for Wales he could then have to move back to Wales um, when his current contract was up. Um, Harley Werther has confirmed that uh, he simply said, no, fuck that. Uh, Wales career isn't worth 30k in an underfunded team that's going to get pumped for the next six years. <laughs> uh, yes, yeah, that's a, 
as some people said, it was Will Rowlands and, and or Reese Webb that had that whole, you have to come back to Wales thing. I don't believe for a second that his agent, um, Hawkins' agent, isn't relatively connected and has had some conversation. People said, look, go, take the money, don't worry about it too much because th- this cannot hold this thing that they're trying to do. Especially, I mean, Nigel Walker's come out this week, hasn't he, and said, well, he came out a few weeks ago, didn't he? He said, oh, we'll have a budget that's competitive. And then he's actually come out with a budget and said, you've got, you know, a, a bag of pig's teeth and shells and some discount luncheon vouchers for a for a beef eater or something, basically, to, to somehow recruit a squad on. So it's no great surprise. And I suppose, what, is he 19, Hawkins, 20? I forget how old uh, he is now. 20, I think. 20. Yeah. Um, I mean, the thing is, a lot of people are... I like him, actually. He looks quite classy, Joe Hawkins. However, a lot of people are already jumping to the future super megastar, mega person sort of thing, which we don't know, do we? He looks a decent enough player. He looks fairly uh, assured when I've seen him. I think the issue is is that uh, the, the current situation is people look at a player who's who's 19 or 20 and just the, the, they draw the trajectory of, of being basically being vertical and that if you're 20 <laughs> and you're this good... By the time you're thirty, you'll be yes. you'll be half as good again. And by the time you're sixty, you'll be you'll be a world beater. And I think that it just doesn't work like that. There's so many things that can get in the way. You know, injury, um, just people find out your game. You know, maybe you just got lucky. You know, all that. Like we've all experienced. You've played yourself. You've all experienced it. Where you might have had one amazing season and thought, "Oh, this is me now. I'm going to be great." <laughs> and then the next season. That that kind of touch of class or whatever it was that was making you so successful, or maybe it was a teammate or whatever, has gone. Um, and I think you know, I call that the one well hit golf shot confusion. Yeah, the, the only <laughs> the only reason to play golf, you hit one good <laughs> yeah, shot and you think yes. that's me now. Why well, can't I just do that all the time? There it is. There you go. Is that many a time I just put the clubs back in the back of the car? That's it. I've done it. I've had my one shot. <laughs> that's me. <laughs> Yeah, I, I, I just think it's it's it, you know I think there's a bit of that with um, with the Italian team is that the idea that they're all young they're all just gonna gonna accelerate and um, yeah I think I, I do think there's far more complication. Imagine if Eddie Jones got hold of them, thirty percent better every week he had them, three hundred thousand percent better. What <laughs> time he's had them? So. Well, he'll, he'll have had ten of them, and then he'll he'll have broken about six of them, and then he'll have that that last four to improve. No, yeah, he's going to be fine. Imagine what he'd do to Ange Capuozzo in a training camp, Eddie Jones, <laughs> putting through a threshing machine to toughen him up or something. But it's a <laughs> yeah, but it is true that I think I mentioned last week we talked about this. Wayne Rooney suffered a bit of that in the football, didn't he? He came through at 16, scored that goal, and went, all right, sit then. So by the time he's 28, he'll be Ronaldo plus Pele. And simply because he was just very good, somehow people felt let down because they decided, exactly like you said, Sam, this this kind of uniform exponential increase that happens, so it should be happening. And it's almost like he's like let himself down and let them down by not doing that or something. It's very strange. I was thinking that because I was I was listening to um uh, to a cycling podcast today. They were talking about a guy who's retiring at the end of this season. Who's basically when he started, he was seeing as the next you know the next Merckx, uh, Peter Sagan for anyone who's, who's a cycling fan. Yes, and he was he was seeing as this kind of the next big thing, and he's been um, unbelievably successful in terms of cyclists. But he's never achieved perhaps what people people perceived uh, perceived. But you get this idea that people are angry at him. 
for not having achieved that. <laughs> exactly, but, yeah. but that kind of idea of I can't believe you're the timing when you haven't literally won every single thing out there. And you get the same the same with Sam Warburton. Yeah, when he retired, there were people who genuinely were angry that someone that talented could you know, float, throw it all the way. And now, obviously, I mean, we had it a bit at the time, but now with, with concussion and the long-term effects of concussion, you kind of look back and you think, well, obviously that was the right thing to do. You know, he's, he's made his, his money. He's got himself set for life. Um, but yeah, there's, there's that genuine kind of visceral anger when people retire having not quite fulfilled the unrealistic expectations people, people put on them at the start of the career. Yeah, I think we mentioned it in the context of Hog last week. I don't know if rehearsed that, but there's a bit of that about him as well, isn't it? Despite all his achievements, um, with him going the way he had as well. So yeah, so that's it. So Exeter, I suppose this is start of the Exeter rebuild, I suppose, or the continuation of it because they need it, don't they? Despite their uh, that well, we'll talk about the weekend later on. But yeah, but Ian Witt, you know, Ian what? Ian Witten can't do it forever, can he? So they're gonna have to find somebody else. So. <laughs> But Rob Baxter absolutely said he wasn't signing Joe Hawkins, didn't he? Oh, well, yeah. And as we all know, yeah. he's... <laughs> I think because Rob Baxter's a farmer and, look, and looks a bit solid, everyone just assumes he should be the most honest man in the world, you know? Like, he's like, he's like <laughs> biblical, honest man. And actually, no, he's quite clearly a bit of a shit because he's a successful <laughs> man. And you can't really get to be that successful without having a bit of a shitty about you, can you? I don't think. You've got to have a little bit there, I'm sure. You, you just don't have to have as much shit as uh, as um, oh god, he says his name's just going right out my bloody head. Um, he's just come to Edinburgh, bloody Steve Diamond. You know, he's just <laughs> full on shit. Um, and then you, you know, he's he's obviously infected a little bit of Rob Baxter, you know. But I don't know. How are you feeling about that, Craig? You've probably done that on the Scottish pod, but you know, quickly, nah, you're all right? it's it's. Uh, I've got we've got lots of uh, Edinburgh fans who think he's the. You know, I was speaking to a few of them uh, on the weekend, and uh, they think it's the best thing ever, and and, and it's, he's just exactly what he needs, what we need, and everything like that. But um, I had this, we had the same thing with um, Cockrell, um, and the, everyone's looking for a reason why Edinburgh have such a phenomenal team and are getting such shit results at the moment. Um, so they're they're happy to they're happy to just, you know, it's like drinking sand when you're desperate for water, you know. Um, so I, I, we just don't know yet. Um, I'm, I'm I'm still on the fence, I'm not sure, because especially the fact that he's just signed to the end of the season and then we're going to see and they're, they're still apparently looking for another looking for another head coach. We don't have the money to have a director of rugby and a head coach, so they're, they're either going to keep him on, um, or well, why did we bring him up in the first place? Because he's not done very much with the squad already. You know, he's, he's, he, you know, he's meant to come in and make a difference. He hasn't done anything. I know it's short notice and it's he's not been there long, but it, they're still doing pretty shit. So uh, I don't know. We'll have to wait and see. I'm on. The, I'm on the fence. <laughs> so that's extra and Joe Hawkins. Um, other news: the legal case continues there's now across multiple sports not just rugby there's 378 x players now in this case the latest i suppose from a rugby union point of view the latest big name that's come out today is is david james which is a real i don't know why it's any more shocking than anything else but i suppose it just he's not been a, i know he struggled with he's talked about his struggles with depression hasn't he previously dav james and obviously you start to see now there's some linkages with this from a neuro point of view you would think and I suppose what I tend to think about this um, is, this is going to sound strange, right? But Joe, 
Stalin is meant to have said that one death is a tragedy and a million deaths is a statistic. A statistic. You know, that's that's his. That you can kind of, and I think there's something about this. In a way, the more numbers that there are, the more frightening it is. But also, the less the, the less people can kind of really think about it because it just becomes so big. But I think you have to keep reminding yourself, and that's the thing about Dave James has come out. Say Nick Fozard's come out, ex rugby league uh, prop forwards come out as well. Because each one of these is a life, isn't it? You know, 378 people is a, a, a village of people and all their families, you know, that are going to have to go through this. Because Dav James is, I think he's only a few years older than me. He's probably our age. We're roughly the same age, Craig. I think Dav James is roughly the same age as us, early 50s, I think. Yeah, um, yeah. It's one of those situations, isn't it? It's, it's, just as you see, it's, it's now almost becoming... God, I'm going to say this, but it's almost becoming the norm now that it's like, oh, you used to play rugby. Yeah, well, it was going to happen to someone. And it's it's awful because, you know, you're, you're looking at, just as you say, each person is a life. Well, we saw it with uh, Siobhan Cattigan um, mm. um, up, up in Scotland. And, you know, each person that doesn't, you know, no one's any any better off or worse off than the other person that's been diagnosed with a problem. They're all in this... This sort of, you know, they're all in this sort of melting pot now of 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 the uh, legal case. But you, it, when when people talk about it, they're starting just you say they're starting to lose the actual re- reasoning that this is a person. This is a person who's got children. This is a person who who maybe further down the line won't be able to recognise their children. How their children are going to go th- through this heartbreak of this? It's not just one person. Yes, the all these guys that say. Oh, they knew the risks when they were doing it. Well, that's wonderful, but their kids didn't know the risks. Their, their, their partners didn't know the risks. But these are the people that are going to have to work with them and see them deteriorate over a period of time. And it's so it's not just the the player that's that, that's going through this awful, awful um, issue, but it's their whole family and 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 their friends, and uh, so everyone's affected by it. So, um, and I'm sure we'll get into it with red cards and things like that, but. Um, it's uh, it's something that's um, well, rugby's fucked to be perfectly honest, and it's like we have to be very, very careful what's going, on, how we go further down the line, you know. Yeah, I think my, so I, I completely agree. I think when it starts off and the, there's a small trickle of people that you hear from, you can make that kind of human connection. Yeah, we we know people who've got dementia, or we know people who've. Um, suffer from MND, which is also, you know, potential side effects. And, you know, we know people who've, who've had that kind of uh, situation, but we don't individually know 378 mm-hmm. of those people. And exactly as you say, Lee, at, at that point, it becomes an unwieldy number that it, it's it, it's almost like a kind of a top trumps idea of, oh, it's now 378, and in a month it's going to be 450 or whatever it might be. And it just becomes, as you say, a statistic. Um, and I think that in, in terms of the kind of people knowing the risks, one of the issues I think is, so first of all, I, I don't really think anyone knew the risks back then, but regardless, for the, for the player coming up now, um, you know, did they know the risks? Well, possibly, probably, like you know, there's enough of it out there that it's kind of, they, they likely did know the risks, but this isn't a, this isn't like, um, Rugby generally isn't kind of recruiting from like bankers or you know people who've already made the money. They're basically getting a, a seventeen, eighteen year old boy and going, "Here's fifty grand. 
do you want to come and do this? And there's a chance that in 40 years' time, you might you might have dementia. But there's also, you know, it's probably a slightly bigger chance that you won't. You know, they're, they're the odds. Do you want to do it? And I can't think of any 17, 18-year-old boy who's going to go, no, I, I, I don't fancy that. Because, you know, the, the alternative is, is you know, a, a poorly paying job until you're 30 and then maybe you make a bit of money after that or whatever it might be but it's a completely different situation and it is that kind of gladiatorial idea that you know you're, you're you know that there's a risk possibly nowadays but you're also getting money flowing at you to take that risk and i think that that's going to be the the next issue is that do do players have a have a reasonable chance to say to say no given the the opportunity or given the 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 alternative there no i think they do it's not it's not a free you can get the whole ethical argument about a free consensual choice can't you but like you said the choice between have a go at being a professional sports person probably what you've been dreaming about ever since craig started coaching you when you were five <laughs> or um or do you fancy going to well no you know fancy going to uni or do you fancy getting a job in an office or do you fancy doing whatever most people, nobody's going to take the other option, are they? I mean, you know, 18 years don't even want to pay into a pension, something as simple as that that's not even, you know what I mean? And I get it, I wouldn't do either. Yeah. But it's, it's not really an informed choice either way, even, and even like you, I agree with you, Sam, if you go back a while, there wasn't even that. At least yeah. now there is something that equates to that. So there is a duty exception that people are going to do things to, to try and protect them. On, on the flip side of that as well, though, I do think everything, I you know, what I said and what you guys have said is true, but I also don't think you can just use this to bludgeon through things that make people deeply uncomfortable either, you know, because you can easily just go, well, people are going to die, so you have to do this, and all yeah. debate kind of gets shut down. And if you sort of say, well, hang on a minute, what about this, 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 it goes, sure, well, do you want people to die then, do you? And I, that's, I don't want, and of course not. I think, you know, there has to be a kind of good faith acceptance of an argument here, which is not obviously the best place when you're on Twitter or whatever. <laughs> But um, which is not to say I don't think something serious or fundamental needs to be done, by the way, and and it is being done. It's just that I do think that we need to keep remembering that there's, I think your point, Craig, about rugby is fucked. There has to be a sport at the end of this, doesn't there? And I think there can be, by the way. I think there's far too many people on the other side of the argument who think that everyone will just run away from the sport if you somehow try and make it look like it did in 1994. Because actually, if you leave aside the kind of rocking, and the fish hooking and all that, that's and the punching that's gone. The actual contact of rugby back in 1994 is what we're trying to get back to, isn't it? I know you can't reverse history, but we're not trying to, you know, we're not trying to fundamentally change a sport that hasn't existed. So, but then we, you know, obviously, um, well, we've had a couple of issues lately um, where you've got um, kids who have taken a head knock. Uh, my son went through it. He went through. He took three head knocks in a in a season, wow. um, and we had to say, "Right, you're taking a break." And it's a it's a, it's a statutory break. It's, it's it's something that that the SRU the SRU give you guidelines on. But also, as a dad, I'm saying I'm saying that it's time for him to take a break. I and mean, you need to just just have some time. Luckily for me, um, he 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 took a he took a um, an injury as well. So it gave me the opportunity to try and get past that whole thing of I'm fine, Dad. I'm going to go and start running around the pitch. I'm going to go and start going back to training, etc. And it, it saved me having the conversation as such. But we have to, we have to, as coaches, 
recognise issues in Scotland. Um, it's, it's if if in doubt, set them out. Um, we, you know, anyone looks like they've taken a head knock. Never mind if they if they lie on the ground for a period of time, or they get up, or they stagger, or anything like that. If you think there's a problem, they come off the field, and that's their game done. And I think the problem I have is that it's getting that through to. Never mind the kids, we're getting it through to parents, mm. get, um, getting it through to, to other coaches, etc. You know, just that's got to happen. You, they, you know, I don't care about winning. I don't, I'm, I'm here to encourage every single child to enjoy playing rugby, and they're not going to enjoy playing rugby if they're running around the place being either emotionally up and down through a concussion or, or, or dizzy or going to cause themselves more trouble. So it, it, is, it is a real. Uh, it's not a minefield. It's a it's 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 a it's a choice you have to make. And you say, right, well, I'm 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 the coach that's responsible for that, and I'm going to take that kid off, and that's the way it is. So we have to, if we have more coaches doing that, and as as coaches evolve, you know, the older guys like me who used to play all those years ago and used to think nothing of sharpening our studs and stuff like that. Oh, that's all bollocks, but you know what I mean. Um, <laughs> you know, we're all going out the game as such and we're bringing through younger coaches who this is no different. It's the, this is the, you know, making sure that if somebody takes a head knock, they're immediately taken off the field. Then that becomes the norm. And it makes, just as you say, it makes the rugby, it doesn't, it makes it the norm. It doesn't make rugby change in any major way, but, all it is is the looking after the people changes the way we look after our players. Um, and that's what we're looking for. We're not looking to, to have rugby spoiled in any way or have it, you know, um, uh, changed in any major way. We, we just need to educate the, the people who are around rugby to recognise that, that this is, something's wrong and you need to deal with it. You know? Yeah, I think I think one of the challenges I have is that I, I completely agree with, with your point, Lee, at the start there about, you know, there is there's a value to to rugby. Like if you just removed it, you don't. It's not as if there's a wholly net positive benefit because there's a benefit to to running around and being fit and and um you know not only a physical benefit but a mental benefit and there's a mental health benefit to being part of a team and there's all these kind of things that I think get sometimes get lost in this argument that it's not a case of um you know, oh, if, if rugby just didn't exist, it would be, everything would be better, because you, you take a big part away from, from people's lives. Um, but equally, the people who rail against concussion and the talking about the concussion, the discussion of concussion, um, they're not even to make, they're not even willing to make even a mild um, uh, concession to, to some of the things that, that need to be done. So like you say, Craig, just, you know, if you've got picked up multiple head knocks, sitting out just seems such an obvious thing but there's there's people who are on the other side of the debate who have such entrenched views that even that is seen as too much of a concession to towards the kind of the 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 new the new kind of guardians of 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 the game and concussion and that kind of thing and i just think the big doesn't need to change drastically to be significantly safer so things like mandatory enforcement of of concussions um uh, you know, you look at something like football and they don't even have concussion subs. And that seems like such an obvious step to make in a sport that generally doesn't have a huge amount of concussion. But that just seems such an obvious thing to do. And I think there's there's games like that that you can make in rugby, which are uh, incredibly minor, but will massively improve the game. Things like um, limits on contact time in training. If you speak to professional players, 
they they haven't just picked up the ball yesterday. They all know how to tackle. They all know how to look. They don't need to be doing that hour after hour during the during the week. Um, and yet you still hear of some Premiership teams where that is the norm, where you'll have a defence coach who gets a little bit overexcited and wants to do drill, wants to do contact drills all week, and that kind of stuff is is just an easy win, just limit it to you know fifteen minutes a week. And it would be you you cut down a, a, an avenue where where concussions are coming from, with no discernible negative uh, impact on the game itself. Um, so I think those are the easy wins we should look and at the, first. The numbers are getting so high now. Anyway, it's becoming a public health issue because these, like you said, most of the people that this is going to affect. I mean, the the, the, the head the headline numbers are pros, aren't they? But most of the people this is going to affect are people who've got jobs and families and normal lives and all that kind of stuff. I mean, I didn't. I finished earlier than my friends because once my kids were born I, I couldn't really do all the training but I've got a couple of mates who played well into the 30s who were very physical players you know and I do tend to tend to worry about that I mean picking up your point Craig about sharp and studs and stuff I think there's a lot of there's a lot of folk memory and bollocks spoken about some of this yeah. stuff isn't there you know I, yeah. it was said to me I played when there was rocking and stuff and they're like you know yeah. it never did me any harm I can categorically say it did me harm it fucking killed you know, I, yeah. it, there's a sick enjoyment that comes out of it, but really, I, I could have done without, you know, the, the Adidas stripes all over the back for no fucking reason, you know, just because I was lying in the wrong place and we all did it, but it fucking hurt. And I wouldn't have been too upset if it wasn't there, you know. It's, it's, a, it's, I just, but I think people, it's almost like people don't want to say that, isn't it? It's a strange one. It's, a, it's almost, a, yeah, this, this uh, oh, the good old days. Well, you know, the good old days, you, 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 you're, you're not remembering the, um, the issues, you know, I've had, I've had two minor knee ops. I've, I've got a bad back. I've, you know, I've got friends who, when they, when they say hi to you and they put their hand up, all their fingers point in different directions, and they're now starting to, just, they're now starting to um, get arthritis in their hands and things like that. And it's all because of, you know, they, they, they broke a finger or they dislocated a finger, and it's, and it's mm-hmm. not been set in right because oh, I'll be fine. I've got to work it. I've got, I'm a farmer. I've got to work to, tonight. I've got to go home and feed, feed sheep or, or, or whatever. And it just it's it's like where where we need to in in my opinion where we need to shift things is the care of the players rather than the the stopping this or that or the other um, in the game. I would far rather see that we're, you know things like having especially professionals having a um, having an independent doctor do all that work on the sidelines, never mind have the doctors coming on and, and, and uh, you know, like they had in the French game. Was it the French game? When they, when the, 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 yeah. yeah, when Grant Gilchrist um, uh, 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 got sent off, you know, and, and, and having having the doctor trying to get the referee to to um, get a replay, etc. which I guess Rob Baxter touched on, touched on today or, or, or the weekend about. And, and I think, I think just, just, especially in the grassroots, just, Educating people and making sure that coaches are looking after people. That's, for me, the main thing, you know. I think a lot of the grassroots, certainly that I've been involved in, when I started playing as a senior, when I was, I was 18, I was at uni, and it was it was fantastic. It was so much fun. It was exactly what you want at that age. And, it's, and you you know, you get a head knock and you, you just go out drinking afterwards and you, you just think that's what you should be doing. And, you know, I remember my... I couldn't, couldn't lift my shoulder up above kind of shoulder about halfway through the season and just thinking that's probably normal. That's probably what, what, it, what it should be the case. And then you get to, I kind of, I got injured about 23 or something. And I thought that was me done for the game, uh, done playing. And 
they've got smashed out of tooth and then lost a load of bone because it, it stayed out for so long. Um, and then uh, when I came back, I, I was like, actually, I'm I'm an adult now. I can kind of just say no to this stuff or, or realise that it's not that much fun. And also I joined a club that was like much more kind of gentle, really, and <laughs> no one was really forcing you to do this kind of stuff. Um, and I just kind of realised that it doesn't need to be that way. But still, consistently, rugby culture is such that it's it, it's it's still about not being soft and not um, not backing down from stuff. And I, I can't make a big deal about the fact that if rugby was if it if there was a way of making rugby completely safe, or maybe it was as uh, you know you could wear some like protective vaseline that meant you couldn't you won't get any injuries or whatever, but you could keep playing like it would like you would. I would like that infinitely more, but you get the you get the impression there's plenty of people out there who, for them, getting injured is almost the most fun part of their of their Saturdays. You know, getting a, a new scar or getting a new bruise or whatever is is a big chunk of why they play the game. And I think well, that I think that's, that's fair enough as depressing. well. It is a kind of broad chart church as well. You know, and some of it is about the physical test. It's like anything as well, just like weightlifting or boxing or whatever or um what's the reason why ufc became so big and it? it fucking baffles me i think it's awful but it's you know i, yeah. I, I you know i get i you know i i understand it but i mean like yeah i remember when i think about now a lad i played with he took a whack to the side of the head and we went out on the piss and then he i think i've told this story before and then he tried to bite a sausage and it didn't work because he cracked his jaw basically he'd been out all on the piss all night and then he tried to bite into a sausage and his teeth didn't do anything then he realized he was like hypermobile on one side of his Jaw went to A E at two in the morning, and he was a teacher. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? And, yeah. it's, and he's, he had his jaw wired up for God knows how long. Trying to go to bit, but and again for years, I've always told that story and laughed my head off. And I reflect on it now and go, that's just insanity. He's, you know, like your point around one whack to the head, two, twenty-seven pints, three. What would it do to his actual jaw afterwards? It's um, yeah, it's a strange one. Anyway, but the thing is, I think. There's obviously a plan with this with this this whole legal case, isn't there? And, I, and I'm not saying this is wrong, by the way. They've obviously got regular points for comms, haven't they? Where they bring different people in and do new comms pushes. Um, and again, I'm not saying they're wrong with that. So I, your point about numbers keeping on going up and it'd be harder to see the individuals, I think it is going to, because I think every three to six months, they've got a new comms rollout, haven't they, at different stages? And it is just going to keep going up and up and up. So the work will keep being done about how we can make it safe. I like your point, Craig, about actually it's about how you care afterwards and how you treat people who are injured and how you make a proper return to, and I do think there's probably, I've not thought about that strongly enough. And that's really made me think actually that that probably is the, the angle we should be talking about a bit more than in game changes, which is what the entire debate's about, isn't it now really? Um, uh, The in game changes is what, it's what's dehumanising a lot of it as well because you get the fans out there who are who are oh the game's going soft and they're doing all that you know that tackle heights just the, that you know it has to be below the nipple but not above the waist or not near the not near the groin or all that bollocks that that, that goes on and I know that's it's serious discussions people are having but really as you say it's it, it, you lose you lose. With all of that noise, you lose the actual point of it all, um, and it's you know really the, the no matter what. And Johnny McGinty will laugh because um because I'm going to say it again. These are human <laughs> beings. They've got mothers, you know, and and they've got fathers, and and you have to look after them, you know. You have to look after them. 
Have you guys got any news, by the way? Or am I just plowing through my list? Well, I've, I've seen the, we've got a, a cheeky wee release from Glasgow saying George Horn has had an extension. So uh, he's been kept on for another year, it looks like. So it's added on to his um, to his multi-year deal that he signed. So he's just uh, signed that. It was announced today because they had a, an open training session up at Glasgow. So um, um, I'm just really pleased he's getting more and more game time. It's been doing my head in. Um, if anyone has listened to our pod, um, it's been properly ripping my knitting. Um, this constantly, this this you know, uh, Ali Price getting rolled out every every game, and George Horn sitting on the bench or not even getting picked, and this guy is a uh, it could be a world class um, nine, and could come down to an English Prem side, a Welsh side, an Irish side, uh, an Australian side, and make a difference. Um, he's a fantastic player, and he needs the game time in him. So, so hopefully, fingers crossed, he's going to. Um, He's going to continue getting that game time um, with Glasgow. <laughs> Ali Worthy says, to be fair, McGinty's already solved the tackle issue by not doing it. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry, Johnny. Well, you, you didn't make yourself available for a start, so you could be here to defend yourself when you've not won. <laughs> uh, so, uh, so uh, yeah, um, yeah, thanks for that, Craig. Uh, speaking of injuries, uh, Aaron Morris of Quinns is retiring, age 28, after only a handful of appearances this year. More of these happen than you actually debate the news, aren't they? There's loads of players end up going off at 26 because either they're completely injured or they just do the balancing act. That point that you don't, that your point before, Sam, they don't do at 18. At 28 or 27, yeah. they do kind of go, do you know what? As, and, and every player in Wales will be doing that, won't they? Do you know what? I'm 28 and you're offering me 13 quid for the next season. I think I might uh, go and do something else and go back to college or whatever. Yeah, yeah. I think I think also a, a lot of the times it happens where they don't get re-signed and they they don't come out and retire, but they, they just kind of disappear off. And I think there's a lot of there's a lot of players like that who who just hit kind of the second contract maybe. And either through injury or through the fact that the offer on the table was absolute, you know, nothing, they just decided to to call it a day. Um, I know I, I was I was chatting to a, a guy I know over in France, and he he had uh, potential offers in the UK and and an offer in France. And due to how the French systems works with, um, you know, you're kind of tied to academy, your academy credits are tied to a certain club. His his French offer was absolutely. A pittance because he he couldn't really move to any other club without them paying him a fortune, and it was one of those things where you just think, what what's the point? Like he's you know he's intelligent, he can do other stuff, and you just kind of end up thinking, why would you keep keep playing this when it's it's so you know you put the effort in and you you so much training, so much pain, so much um, you know injuries, and, and there's not really much of a um, a payout afterwards. Um, and I think that that kind of the do it for the love of the game stuff is is something that's easy to say on on Twitter, um, but is it, in the reality of it, it's just so much so much harder. I was laughing the other week because um, those of anybody who follows rugby league or doesn't really will have heard of Sean O'Loughlin, who's played for Wigan and Great Britain, and a, a ludicrously good uh, rugby player who retired a couple of years ago. He's on the coaching squad there. And he turned out for Wigan Rugby Union a few weeks ago. Did you see that story? 
Yeah. 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 Lining up on a Saturday night. They've got some old boy playing in the centres. Oh, no problem. He says, oh, for fuck's sake, it's Sean O'Loughlin. <laughs> yeah, even at, even at 39 or whatever he was, or 38, he's still a, do a job. Mike Dugg uh, made his Vets debut against uh, Wigness, uh, the Union, and they had uh, some a man of steel playing in the centres opposite him. <laughs> And he said that it was just he just like levitated to a different part of the pitch when uh, when the ball was coming to his direction. Yeah. Do, do your first spreads. No, it's gone. Sorry, it's yeah, gone. Exactly. I can feel it. I felt it go. <laughs> yeah. I don't think that works in a best team because I don't think they had any to start with. <laughs> uh, yeah. Um, Tom Liner has signed a new contract with the Reds. Um, I only raised this because obviously this could raise some interesting future international stuff in their family, couldn't it? Because they're both both Tom and Louis are son of Michael, are they not? Tom is playing for the Reds with Eddie Jones, keeping a very close eye on him, and Louis is, I suppose, still lurking around England uh, when he's fit again for Quinns at some point, I guess. So, uh, but yeah, after yeah, all the talk about Louis, say again, Craig. Sorry, he's been for some time, Louis, is he not? He's uh yeah I I was I was just thinking he's he's a guy who's completely disappeared out of my mind. Um, I don't know if he's played this season. He's had a long term injury. Yeah, another yeah. 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 Um, yeah. So he hasn't he hasn't played. Last time he played was um, uh, June last year, I think. Um, yeah, I, I'd be interesting to see. It's um, I actually didn't realise there was a, a an even younger liner than. Than Louis Lyon. He's an outside half as well, so that that's even more romantic, isn't it? So, uh, yeah. <laughs> as Johnny Ball said, Louis Liner is Italy qualified by birth. He might fancy getting on the Italy, Italy train, might he? So, uh, to be I honest, a lot of people here, yeah, yeah. It's not a guarantee that by the time you know, given a few years uh, of uh, maturing, that Italy might not actually be better than Australia. Um, in uh, yeah, given given four or five years. Johnny Ball says as well that uh, Jordy, Jordy Murphy's retiring. Hands up if you had forgotten Jordy Murphy was still playing. Yeah. That's me putting my hand yeah. up. But yeah. Yeah. Um, <laughs> average attractiveness of the Ulster squad's taking a kick in, says Johnny. Yeah. And um, Harley Worthy says an extra news we may have missed, but WIU have announced that Wales and England is a sellout this weekend in the Women's Six Nations at the uh, Arms Park. That's good. That's fantastic. Yeah, I must say, I was very surprised, Craig, that um, there wasn't a bigger crowd for the Scotland-Wales game on Saturday, actually. Yeah, it's it's, it's an odd one um, because, I, you know, um, because they've been pushing it quite hard. Well, I asked Scotland, you if that was your, your, your responsibility or something. I'm, Come on, I'm Craig, sorry, what have you been I'm doing? Sorry, <laughs> I'm sorry, Lee, I'm sorry. Because <laughs> <laughs> yeah, the SRU marketing department love me at the moment. Yeah. Um, but, uh, <laughs> Um, no, I, it's 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 a weird one because we do have, um, you know, it is growing quite significantly. Um, I think there's you probably would have seen there's a lot there were a lot of there, there was so, quite a bit of travel and support down to Edinburgh, mm-hmm. uh, down to down to Leicester. Yeah, there was true, obviously yeah. the Glasgow game as well, um, but I think um, which kind of took away from it. But however, I, I just think it's. Um, it's just we're just not there yet with um hmm. with 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 because because you know obviously the damn health is very very good and 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 moving it there has been a has been a master stroke because yeah. everyone's far closer um to the to the game um so 
but yeah, we're just not there yet. We're just not, plus we're not doing very much winning at the moment as well, which always you know you get an extra bounce on ticket sales when you when you're winning. You know, simple as that, isn't it? Really. Yeah. Okay. Oh, it seems as well that we all assumed Townsend was off after the World Cup, but now Mark Dodson's coming out talking about how well if he can show he's taking Scotland to the next level, whatever that means, that he he, he might get to keep a job. What? What? Craig, again, I'm asking you, what is the next level for Scotland, do you think? I mean, Mark Dodson talks in his own language anyway, doesn't he? But you as a fan, what would you want to see him start to do? Um, oh, I'm going to bring out from a men's the, point of view, by the way. I'm saying I'm going to bring out the age old Scotland um, uh, conversation of we just want to build for next year and we want to build for next year <laughs> and we want to build for next year. I, I, I don't know. We he was mentioning, um, you know, he's he's Dodson's ignoring all the uh, fans and the websites and everything like that about uh, their he's not taking their opinion into into um. Uh, into making the decision over Townsend, um, which is fine. Uh, um, we're happy with that. You know, the main thing is he he, he makes the right decision. But Townsend, I think, he's, he's had his opportunities. He's gone through his, his sort of childlike spats with everybody and, th- and thrown the, the toys out with the pram with Finn Russell and done all these things. And then he's finally got his team together that seemed to be able to do something. Um and so obviously there's 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 half of half of Scotland are saying we've got to keep him in the job because he's obviously doing something and we're going to go to the World Cup and we're going to show this the pool of death um exactly what we're going to do and we're going to show you know going to pull off a couple of surprise results. But it really the, the you know, I think this is Dodson basically um letting Leon McDonald say, you know, trying to keep Leon McDonald's price down a little bit by saying, well, we're still thinking <laughs> about Townsend and, 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 and don't ask for too much, Leon, you know, because um, I, I, Leon, I don't know if anyone saw the interview with Leon McDonald. He was interviewed after one of the games, one of the, um, the uh, one of, one of the um, New Zealand games he was asked, oh, um, what's this about you going to Edinburgh? And he says, I can't comment on it. Of course, you know. Of course, you're then you're you're having a conversation with Scotland. If you're not commenting on it, you would automatically say, "Mind you, if you're Rob Baxter, you say no at anything anyway." But um, <laughs> you know, so I don't know. It's one of <laughs> Rob Baxter. I've never even heard of Edinburgh. Don't even know what it is. No, no, no Scotland. I don't know who they are. Um, that's the Donald. Is that not the Donald Trump? I think I don't know who that person is. You know, um, and then, oh, there were seven. You know, there were they were standing next to you in all these photographs. Um, yeah. I, I, We'll wait and see, yeah. We'll wait and see. But I think it's just, yeah. I think it's Dodson's marketing speak for Leon's looking for a little bit more money, and we're just going to keep him in. Just remind them that uh, you know uh, we're not going to we're not going to throw the boat out for him to get him up here. You know. I, I was wondering, do uh, Scotland fans? And I know you don't speak for them all here, Craig, but do they have a, an idea of of like a dream higher now that? Um, you know, Razor's gone uh, to New Zealand. He was the one who was being pulled like a kind of a, a fox between hounds to loads of different places. Is there someone that, that Scotland would want if... Uh, Kingsley oh, Jones. Fuck, they're all over the place. <laughs> Jesus Christ. They're like, honestly, they've been... You, you ask every... You know, Scotland fan, Christ, they, were, they were talking about Eddie Jones. They were talking about Dave Rennie. They've been talking about... Um, uh, obviously, actually, the only one that that they didn't talk about that surprised everyone is Leon McDonald. 
Um, they want Vern Cotter back, don't they, some of them? Oh, God, yeah, and Vern Cotter leaving Fiji. Holy <laughs> shit, we'll get, he's, he's coming back. Every, you know, <laughs> and then Dave Rennie, was, then Dave Rennie was leaving Australia. Excellent, Dave Rennie's coming back. But hang on a minute, he left Glasgow and everyone, everyone, you know, half the players said he was an absolute wanker. Um, so <laughs> why do we want them back? So it's it's the usual thing. If, if Wales were looking, well, if Wales were looking to replace... Um, replace a coach you'd have the same thing I mean, everybody wants razor everybody wants the, the the most winning winningish coaches and things like that and then you know and then all of a sudden the SRU or the or the WRU come out with a, a with with someone completely out the back you know the god Lee Blackett was talked about but I think that was more Edinburgh I think than the, the than, than, than Scotland um so I don't know Steve Tandy you know, thinking about Steve Tandy taking over and stuff like he that. He was an appalling head coach at Ospreys. He's he's kind of found his niche now. Leave him there, for God's sake. Yeah, he's doing a good job as it is. So, um, but yeah, yeah, we'll wait and see. Honestly, you think Tooney pick his Tooney squad selection can be like a tombola? Wait till you see Scotland's um, uh, head coach selection <laughs> if they if they don't extend Townsend. When fans talk about the coaches they want, I always think about that Flames episode where um, Ross is trying to buy that apartment and sends the uh, small uh, box of cupcakes <laughs> yes. and everyone else is sending the massive cakes and you know, <laughs> money and stuff. I always think it's, it's the idea of, oh, but but we could we could lure you know the coach that every single other country wants with some you know some some promise of of, of something. And, and I, I think that fans don't quite realise that no coach has to move. And that I think they would be happy just, uh, you know, kind of continuing their career without this, all the kind of the histrionics that come with it. But um, yeah, it'd be interesting to see because I, I think the problem with Scotland of late is that there's so much promise and, and the results have, have gone upwards, but they're still kind of clearly in the level below Ireland and France, which obviously is quite a packed level given that it contains most of the teams in the in international rugby. But um, I, I, I do think that. You know, I don't know if there is a coach out there who who will push to that next level because it's it, it's more than just coming in. And, oh, he's now running this drill, and that's managed to get them to 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 beat Ireland. I think that 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 gap is both quite difficult to bridge, and it's also a lot of it's just down to to luck. You know, Scotland could have, but for kind of the bounce of a ball, beating France. Same with Ireland. Um, you know, there's there's a lot of the time it comes down to that that luck element and I think that that coaches probably don't have a huge amount of say in that I think there's definitely a cat there's like a two one three formation in the six nations this year there's 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 Ireland and France then there's a gap then there's Scotland then there's a bigger gap and then there's England Wales and Italy this year isn't there I mean, we'll not be the same next year I don't know I'll take your point about luck of results and stuff but I also think that sometimes your eyes tell you certain things when you watch games don't you and their eyes just tell you that the, 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 the way Scotland play and the confidence within it is good, but it just doesn't look as confident or as competent as consistently as, as Ireland and, and France. Albeit France weren't great for two games, despite Dupont. Well, I haven't mentioned Dupont getting player of the tournament, have I? Because, because yeah. Dupont. Because <laughs> that's just what happens. Just because... I don't know. Do, do they think he's like a, lo, a transcendent low mood type figure? So that's why they kind of keep pushing him forward. Though I mean, he's brilliant. We all love him, don't we? But he's, but yeah, he was he was pretty dreadful for at least two games this year. And then, but 
does that one left-footed 50-22 play in a tournament? There you go. <laughs> it, it, it is an award. It's, it's a highlight reel award, doesn't it? Is, is that you yeah, can be useless true. for 70, 79 minutes and then one gift gets you worldwide fame and you'll you'll be <laughs> yeah. you'll get there. Um it's it's like that do you remember that indoor bowls clip that did with yes, last year? The great the greatest shot in the history of sport. Yeah, exactly. Is, yeah, yeah. It's, I mean he would have won the bowls tournament of the year, um, <laughs> you know, the player of the tournament. I've but, I've yeah, always got a bit less less time for when you've got all the time in the world to make your shot, which you have a great shot, yeah. don't get me wrong. But you've literally got all the time in the world. There's nobody breathing down your neck, is there? There's nobody throwing a ball at you while you're trying to do it. You can literally take as much time as you want to weigh this up before you do it. I, I, I don't know if I've ever told my story about being remarkably good at bowls. Um, no. So for the team bonding session, we we went and played some indoor bowls. Um, you know, the bowl, you know, the the crown green bowls, but indoor. And I'm not particularly talented at, at anything that I take my you know, turn my. I don't, I don't want to be. I don't want to be that guy, but that's technically not crown green balls because it'd be flat well, green I, balls. I, I didn't want you. to say. I, I wanted people not to know it wasn't ten pin bowling, but I don't know what <laughs> indoor bowling. Is. <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. So, so I'm, I'm not. I don't take. I don't like turn my hand to stuff and just be good at it. it, it there's nothing I've done that's that. I did it like that. <laughs> but I was unbelievably good at, at bowls, if I say so myself. To the point the where mat. I was like, yeah, I was like taking the guy who was teaching us we were having like a, a ding dong battle and i thought <laughs> maybe this is my spot i'm gonna take this up and so i went to a club and i was easily by 35 years the youngest person there and i have never felt less welcome <laughs> anywhere <laughs> any sporting situation i've ever been in and so i lasted for one go and thought maybe i am maybe i, I am a massive loss to bowls but i just can't i can't keep coming back there and being like the kind of the the odd one out. My my granddad was a crown green bowler. But the difference in crown green is you only have two bowls in crown green bowls, not four, and all that kind of stuff. But uh, the uh, and you send the jack, and you have to tell people. I don't send indoor bowls, but you have to tell people what peg you send in the bowl down, thumb peg or finger peg, which is which side you put the bias on on the bowl. Oh so right, you start, yeah. so you've got to say thumb peg. And my granddad took me bowling when I was about twelve to, for something to do. And my granddad's left-handed. And so that means that the peg is opposite. I'm right-handed, so the peg is opposite. So finger peg for him is thumb peg for me. He didn't tell me that. He went finger peg, sent it down. I stepped up with my ball, finger pegged. It went completely the opposite direction to the, <laughs> the other side of the law. And he just, he just, that was his way of teaching me a salutary lesson as granddad's have a tendency to do. Then I explained it afterwards. I couldn't work out why he wasn't going to say where that he was going. <laughs> But yeah, it's a good sport. I would encourage people to to give it a go. It is surprisingly more fun than you might imagine. My granddad was he came in Lancashire. They have a thing where when they send a bowl on a green, and Crown Green has got a bit of lump. It's got a crown in the middle of the green. That's why it's called that. So it's a bit more unpredictable. And my granddad in Lancashire, they have that thing where they chase the bowl in. They chase it. They send it. Then they chase it. Then they like stamp it in and go, "Oh, get in there," sort of thing. And like when he moved to North Wales, he got disqualified for about three tournaments because it was like it was not the done thing because he was like legging it down and all sorts. Yeah, I just bowling I cultures, man. Sub I love cultures. it. My dad, my dad plays, and my sister plays, and my son did play. I just love any sport that you can stop halfway through the game, or even just just at any point in the game to go for a pint and a nip. It's great. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> I'll grab a pint of lager and a and an OVD rum. Thanks very much. <laughs> 
Anyway, yeah, so that was the news, I think. Bloody hell, that was an epic, wasn't it? And we need to now we'll say goodbye to our non patron listeners while we go to talk about the weekend. So goodbye. Bye. Another day is here and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. At Evernorth Health Services, we believe costs shouldn't get in the way of life-changing care. And we're doing everything in our power to make it possible. Behavioral health solutions that also keep your projections at their best? It's possible. Pharmacy benefits that benefit your bottom line? It's possible. Complex specialty care that cares about your ROI? It's possible. Because we're already doing it. All while saving businesses billions. That's wonder made possible. Learn more at evernorth.com slash wonder. Anything else on the weekend before we move on to shit good? Nope. Nope. Okay. Well... Finish the weekend there, and welcome back our non-patron people. Hello. You missed loads of good stuff. Gold, all of it. Um, And we'll move on to shit good ratings to finish anything. Have you got any shits you want to raise before I go on to our lovely submissions? Uh, just for me is, is you know, kind of the, the way that Ireland's Island winning rugby is, is going, really. Um and the the kind of the lack of fun game, the lack of competition and competitiveness there. I think not only is obviously is is a, a, a frustration for us as as fans, but a far bigger frustration for for um, Ireland fans and Ireland players that, that it's it's going the way it is because it's 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 so sad to see something that potentially could have been fantastic and is now really being dismantled in front of our eyes. It shows how quickly it can fall off, doesn't it? And you won't mind if it was. Oh, we couldn't have foreseen this. This is just, you know, this is this is like COVID or something. It's like, no, this is exactly what you knew would happen. Yeah. It's the most it's the most two plus two equals four scenario in the in the world, really. It is it harks back to the early days of professionalism where you get some some sugar daddy who would fund your team and then suddenly his uh, his seventh wife divorced him and, and he pulled all the pulled the plug. And it's so it's, it's looking at you, Richmond. Yeah, yeah. Exactly. <laughs> and so, so suddenly they they plummet down through the leagues, and it's 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 kind of that, but in in the modern day. Yeah. No, it's a shame, and it's not even like it's not solvable, is it? That's the other thing. That's a frustrating thing. A combination of poor decisions, shit culture, as well, by the sounds of things. Yeah. Um, has has led to this. It's quite depressing, really. So for. Yeah. And that's the kind of flip side of it is the whole TikTok sponsorship. The fact it's on telly now, the sellout this weekend. This is this is the flip side. But you have to hope it can't last, can you? I don't think any 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 union with as much profile and, and funding as the IRFU can't allow this to continue, can they? Well, it's not, like, a, a pit. it's not like they're struggling for money. Exactly. Yeah. You know, they're, they're talking about they're talking about um, was it the three of the four private schools around Leinster are have bud, operating budgets in their rugby side of things of a million a million euros each. You know, yeah. and it's like give them put a million euro just like they're not looking for a lot of money put put a million euros into the women's game. 
see what you're going to get. You know, I think the frustration is it becomes it's women's sport in general. It's this minefield of issues where women's rugby players are expected to have opinions on major kind of issues in a way that no men's uh, athletes are, are really expected to, with some exceptions, but generally they're not expected to. And you just kind of you just want to have a tournament where all the nations are kind of funded, maybe not equally funded, but at least funded and competitive. And you don't want these kind of issues sullying a uh, the the kind of the, the tournament as a whole. I, I just it becomes a kind of a bit of a political football wing. And your it, captain's it, being asked about it pre-game and stuff. It's not yeah. good, is it, for like yeah. just a general sporting environment, really? Yeah, I mean, we had a bit with Wales, didn't we, with the with yeah, the strikes? But this is every single match now. Presumably, until they start the funding back up again, it's just every single. Match. And at least Wales with a strike, it was a positive action the players had taken. Yeah, you know, and you've chosen to do it. this, yeah. therefore you're going to be asked about it. It's not that's not the case with this scenario, is it? It's completely out of their control, really. Yeah, you would think that the world rugby could like descend the stairs down to the, the next floor and have a word with the IRU as well about it and say start it out, boys. It's not like you know having to fly out from Dubai. Any shit from you, Craig? Um, I, 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 just the, the, the Rob Baxter's comments about the the red cards um, and going on about um, London Irish and how the how um, uh, what do you say if the process you know he doesn't like the process where the crowd is deciding whether or, or, or getting replays um, you know they're booing when when replays are played and it's making the, the referees make the decision. You know the crowd are influencing the referee. I think he's the. You know he was. What did he say? He said something about that. That that we all want fifteen on fifteen rugby. It spoils the spectacle, and it's like, well, we've just been talking about. We've spent a long time talking about at the beginning of the podcast about. You know, we're actually starting to think about players' welfare here, and I, I just think it's you. You know, if you take away, for example, there was talk of well, let's make it like a VAR system. Where the, the referees go and look at it themselves, and they do, and the crowd aren't involved, and it doesn't go up on the big screen. But then, rugby isn't football. Football's a lot simpler than rugby to referee. And the last thing you want are people who are coming along to the rugby for the first or second time. Um, they've spent their money, and then they're saying, well, what, "What was that penalty for? What was that red card for?" At least it's it's more open when it's up on the screen. And 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 I quite like the. Um, I think it was the was it was it. New Zealand, where the the referee, when he's talking uh, through the process of the TMO process, it's broadcast throughout the stadium. Mm. And I think I think what you what what you're losing the slight amount of, of of loss of yes, the referees, you know, every time they replay a a shoulder going into someone's face, there's a, the crowd are booing. But yes, that that can be a bit distracting. But you're you're winning far more in a player safety. And B, um, the crowd are getting to see those yeah. that are new Fan to the experience. Yeah. yeah, exactly. Yeah. Um, but it's, it's also, do you want to pull on that thread, really? Yeah. Because if you start to say that the crowds affect that decision, then don't the crowds affect all decisions? Then. So what you know? Do you not want? What do we do? Do we, do we tell the crowd to be silent the whole time in case they boo it when they see an obvious off the ball contact or? Now you're going yeah, back to talk about Welford Road here, Leon. <laughs> yeah. 
yeah. You know, shout, you know, yeah. people shouted every time, ref. Oh, sorry, is it? Oh, okay. Yeah, I'm sorry. Next time I'll I'll ping it then. Do you know yeah, what I mean? It's, it, it's, it, it's a nonsense. It, it really is. And I just think that, you know, um, first, I don't know whether it's just Rob Baxter deciding that oh, he's fed up with sitting up sitting upstairs and not really getting to get in front of the cameras or what he's doing. But I just thought it was poor, especially with what's been going on in rugby and what what was announced today with um, uh, with with David James and things like that. I just it was a poor choice of words and a, a poor time for him to start talking about it. I think he's a funny one, Rob Baxter, isn't he? Because he is his kind of down to earth guy, but it's almost like every three months he goes right. It is now time for me to have an opinion in capital letters, and he mm. kind of wanders out into the press box. And then, and and he's also got this really like quite large collection of like fanboys. They are always boys, let's be honest. Who, who's, who will say, "Oh, he never. All he ever speaks is sense." Rob Baxter is this sensible, large, big-handed man who just <laughs> says sensible things all the time. It's a, it's a really, yeah, it's a, it's a kind of remnants of a, he's, he's like a microcosm of a straight of everything that kind of sums rugby union up in some ways. I suspect he probably didn't go to private school, but um, but generally, yeah, this kind of respect and oh, I don't know, I, I get fed up with it really, but. Yeah, I agree with you. I see what you're saying, Craig. So let's move on. So Stumpy gets in touch. He says, shit is the one-week turnaround for the Euro round 16 to the quarterfinals. I don't yeah. mind it all being condensed I, into a... I, I agree. Yeah, I, I think the, the problem is you can you could play... You could ask every single fan when they want the game to be played and you could play the game just for them at that exact time <laughs> and they would still come back and say I, I'm, I'm, I was going to go for some drinks that night, can you You know, this is so inconvenient for me, can you shift it I, I, I kind of you know, realistically if you want to go and watch your team playing to lose it's going to cost quite a lot of money anyway and I'm not sure that it's significantly more expensive if it's uh, if it's a week turnaround but I mean, that might I might be miles out of touch with that but yeah, I do think there's a, there's there's a it, it's a it's a, a rich vein of moaning um, the the fixture listing when games are played. Progressive Rugby's been in touch. Hello, he says utterly shit is the news about David James. Yeah, we covered that at the top. Yeah, uh, and good is Hugo calling out crock rolls and saying they should be outlawed. I think we broadly agree, but I do think Craig, you did make a good point, Craig, that it was a conglomeration of unlucky factors that made it worse, wasn't it? Which doesn't mean that you shouldn't have a look at it, but... Yeah, yeah. Michael gets in touch. He said, shit is the roots and effort it's taking South African sides to stay involved in these competitions. A professional organisation having to take two separate routes to save costs seems wild and unsustainable. Which I think was one of the South African teams having to do all kinds of crazy cannonball run type shit to get to where they were going and then back home again. But uh Yeah, it was actually Toulouse, wasn't it, I think? And um right. so that'd be the Bulls, wasn't it? And then they they split at like, I don't know, Frankfurt and one of them went via Palace and one of them went via <laughs> Berlin and the other one burrowed and then the other one uh you know, <laughs> yeah, the yeah. I think they have to go through because it's Qatar Airways, they have to go through is it Doha or it's um or it's one of the you know the 
the Middle East hubs, and then they've got to come through there and then fly. And you can imagine, I suppose, trying to get, you know, when they land in Heathrow and go, ah, oh, excellent, right, where are we going? Exeter, right, that's not bad. It's just outside London, isn't it? Um, <laughs> so, so I suppose it can be a little bit interesting for them. Um, the number of but, people who say that Exeter is where Brighton is is hilarious. But it's a... Uh, well, yeah, it's I, famous. That, it's famous that Bill Martyr was signed by Edinburgh, and uh, and he thought he was uh, Edinburgh was ten minutes outside London, and then realised where he was going, <laughs> and couldn't, couldn't be amazed at how cold it was. You know, I think it's it's one of those things that where I don't really know what the what the solution is here because as someone who considers considers them, nope, that's not good. You, you know what I mean. Uh, you um, consider yourself. Liberal. Yes. Thank you. Yeah. Yes. Um, quite liberal. <laughs> Um, and you know, aware of the environment, I don't know what the solution is really because I don't think the South African teams have really got a home unless it's part of European competitions, mm. and so I don't really know where that leaves them because they they kind of have to. Maybe there's better ways of doing it. Maybe they base themselves more in in Europe, but that doesn't really solve the issue either because then that I'm not sure that makes it financially worthwhile. They should play the entirety of the Irk in Pontypris because there's a huge fan base there waiting to lap up. They all just sit in the stadium, don't they? They all, all <laughs> yes. 19,000 of them 30, just waiting yes. for the game to come by. Um, what else have we got here? Phil Jones says, shit, is never mind Ealing Ospreys. After yesterday's announcements of Joe Hawkins and Ethan Root signing for Exeter, it's Exeter Ospreys at might this rate. More young ta- Welsh talent lost, at least in Hawkins' case. Ooh, a bit of a burn at the end there, Phil. But yeah, yeah it's... Um, yeah, yeah, but you know, it is a professional sport and it's a short career, and people are going to do what they're going to do, aren't they? Simon Payton says, "Shit is CJ Hawkins leave for Exeter." Yes, genuine superstar leaving the Ospreys, future superstar. Sorry, Simon. Yeah, yeah, possibly. We talked a little about that before. David Peacock says, "Shit is the highlight reel that was released for Ben Youngs's birthday. One try and a few line breaks that resulted in turnovers." That seems, I mean, we, we've all had a go at Ben Youngs, okay? We have. But I'm sure they could have found a better. He has got better stuff in his career than that. God bless him. Just several several box kicks. That's it. <laughs> Chucking the ball into touch over somebody's head, yeah. <laughs> uh, let's move on to good. Have you got My shit is Wigan. Well, that's the end of that. So have you got any good? Well, I, I've got I have to speak about them because I've, I've just have to. But, uh, you know, my prop love is the good this week. Because um, <laughs> yeah. we had, you know, we had Sarah, Sarah Byrne um, absolutely monstering it for England. We had, obviously, the uh, the front row for Wales um, playing eight, almost, I think they played 80 minutes and mm-hmm. were still as ferocious at 79 minutes um, than they were at minute one. Um, uh, Lana Skeldon, Leah Bar- Bartlett, Christine Bewile, um and then Alan Dell and Johnny Matthews, how can you not, you know, the most beautiful man in the in in in, in rugby, um, alongside the most tra- the, the new rugby Jesus of Glasgow. Um uh, you know <laughs> alongside the jammiest man in rugby, yeah. So the... Yeah. <laughs> so for me it's uh you know it's been a it's been a front row phenomenal weekend and I have to put my prop love out to everybody on the that, that, that wants to play in the front row. Yeah, no mention for Nicky Smith either galloping into the uh, open, open yeah. pasture at Saracens. Yeah, yeah, absolutely, absolutely. I haven't, I, I, I didn't watch that game, so I've missed Nicky Smith. So I apologise, Nicky. Um, <laughs> you know, I, not not in, not bringing into my prop love circle. Sorry, Sam. Yeah. 
no, no. For for, for me, it's um, well, it's, it's placated by Vera Fafita and his um, his post match interview where he commented afterwards about how he was more nervous doing that than than playing the game. And it's a, a general trend of of players. Um, actually, starting in football with I forget what his name is. It Luke Ayling at Leeds and someone else at Watford who have stutters and right. um have done post match uh interviews and. And I'm a big fan of people like that doing post-match interviews that are, make them, you know, that mm. make them nervous, but get the idea that professional sports people aren't somehow immune from that kind of stuff. And and yeah, I think it makes life easier for people who who have those issues in uh, in day-to-day life. So it's off the back of Fafita, but a general trend of players openly admitting they're not big fans of those, or that they have stretches or have issues that, that make that harder. Good stuff. I'd mentioned Seb Atkinson before. He was my good for Gloucester. Really, really good turnout at 12, I thought. Uh, rattle through his goods now because we're going on for ages here. Thanks, everybody, for your patience. Rob Warlow says good is, although in reality it's chuffing brilliant, piece of a rugby ladies completing their league season. To play 12, 1 12, 370 points against, 372 points scored against 35. Finished off in standing in front of a big home crowd with an even bigger score. Yes, well done. Good season. Fraser says, good is Scotland women. Okay. Yes, it was another loss. However, depth has been an issue for Scottish rugby in general for decades. And being as competitive as they are without so many top players is very pro- promising. No Maxwell, Wassell, Thompson, uh, Lloyd, Boner, Campbell, etc. Fair enough. Laird Stephen Powell says, good is Johnny Matthews. Playing at the Lionel Messi of hookers. Yes. Is he? Is he though? <laughs> 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 Dan Shears says good is the whole weekend yes Tigers won Luton beat Watford everything was right with the world for once that wasn't my weekend Dan as you will have heard and the uh, the patron only bit Graham Kurtzveld says outstanding is accidentally replaying a very early Blood and Mud Cop podcast and hearing a very polite non-sweary Josh before Welsh rugby ground him down into the sweary, grumpy sod we know now and look. I don't remember that ever happening, Graham. I must go back and have a listen to that. So it seems so long ago now. Um, Veep Kamarshak says, good, echoing what Stu Clark said, Chloe Rolly is so much fun. Chloe Rolly, sorry, so much fun to watch when she gets a bit of space. Yes. And then finally, good, Ian Gareth says, good is the whole weekend's European rugby. Even a second-string GB News RFC played some good rugby versus Montpellier. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, and that's been a bit of an epic. So what happens when you have three voices on here, I guess? Um, So thank you, Craig. Thank you very much for your debut. And I'm sure, I hope one day you'll come back because we'd love to have you back. We'd love it. Thank you for that. Thanks for having me. It's been great. And thank you very much, Sam. Thank you very much for having me. It's been a being a pleasure. And uh, I will try and spend the next three hours editing this because it's, uh, it's going to take a long time to download. So thank you very much for everybody on the uh, live stream and everybody listens and we'll speak to you all soon. Goodbye. Bye. Bye. Sports Social Podcast Network. Hello, it is Ryan and I was on a flight the other day playing one of my favorite social spin slot games on chumbacasino.com. I looked over at the person sitting next to me and you know what they were doing? 
they're also playing Chumba Casino. Coincidence? I think not. Everybody's loving having fun with it. Chumba Casino's home to hundreds of casino style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere, even at 30,000 feet. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com to claim your free welcome bonus. That's ChumbaCasino.com and live the Chumba life. No purchase necessary. VTW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus.